I am Dr. Lamont Repolette, New Jersey's Commissioner of Education. Welcome to the DOE Digest, a podcast from the New Jersey Department of Education. It is a platform for information exchange in which the department will highlight the work being done by innovative and transformative educators around the state. I have been working to redesign the Department of Education to what I call NJDOE 2.0. This podcast is one of the ways that we utilize our digital platform to help strengthen teaching, leading, and learning, and increase educational equity for the 1.4 million students across New Jersey. I hope you enjoyed today's topic. Welcome to DOE Digest, a podcast from the New Jersey Department of Education. I'm the host, Ken Bond. Today's topic is family engagement. I'm so excited to be able to share with you a sample of some of the amazing things happening around the state. We're going to be talking to folks in Hamilton School District about some of what they have done to engage families in partnerships that are sustained and reciprocal. Hi, I'm Scott Rocco, Superintendent of Schools of Hamilton Township Public Schools. I think it's a partnership. When you talk about schools and families, we should be working together with a common goal. And that common goal is to engage our students, give them the best opportunity for success, not only in school, but outside of school and when they graduate from school. The only way that that can be done is if we we engage our parents, our families, not only in what's being done in the classroom from a learning perspective, but also helping our students develop socially, emotionally across all grade levels. So they should be our partners as we move students students through our grades from kindergarten through 12th grade. Our families are multi-generational. So one direct approach to getting families involved is not going to get all the families involved. So what we've done is we've taken a number of approaches. We have used the face-to-face meetings, large meetings. We've done community meetings on a variety of different topics from meet and greets to our work on our referendum to our now our work on our strategic plan. So we've had many face-to-face large group meetings. On top of that, to engage parents, we've had some smaller some smaller meetings within our schools. So you'll have schools that will have uh, theme nights or activity nights where parents will come together and work with their students or work with teachers and the administration of the building. And then on top of that, to engage our parents, we've used newsletters, we've used videos, uh, we've used our website, and we've used a lot of social media. In the relationship between schools and families, it's essential that family members' voices are not just valued, but that they're also showcased. I was able to interview a parent from Hamilton School District and understand from her perspective what it is that districts can do to make sure that parents' voices are heard. Could you just introduce yourself first? Hi, my name is Sarah Valerio. I have a second grader at Greenwood Elementary School in Hamilton School District. Great. What's one thing that you really appreciate about how the school helps you be connected to your child's education? There are so many things that I appreciate uh, about how I get to see my daughter's education play out in, in real life. I mean, we have constant updates, newsletters. We have this great class dojo system, which is kind of like a private Facebook for the class or for the school. So we get real-time pictures of activities that our kids are doing, you know, a science experiment where they're making slime. We can see that they're doing that. Pictures from field day, pictures from the playground. The day your kid uh, raises their hand and volunteers to stand up at the board and solve a math problem, you, you know, get the picture and you see it pop up on Class Dojo. So it's it's really neat. It's a real-time way of being involved and engaged with what's happening in the classroom and really taking advantage of the technology 
technology that we have to do so. It makes it, I think, accessible for a lot of parents who um, are at work or you know doing other things and don't have the time to actually come to school. You give the, the example of Class mm-hmm. Dojo. Like, what what are some other examples of times, maybe even a specific time where you really felt connected? One really recent one that kind of came as a surprise to me was they had a Mother's Day tea, which was a poetry reading. And the second graders had written a poem dedicated to or inspired to by a woman or a mom in their life. And we were invited to come hear the poetry reading. They had a little refreshments um, and the kids were so excited and so proud. And it was something that I didn't even know my child was interested in doing. And she wrote this really cute, clever little poem and stood up and read it. And it was a quick little in and out in 30 minutes kind of deal. So it wasn't like this towards the end of the day. So we just came a little early for pickup and then we got to leave together. But it was just the extra time to do that and to, to take the time to set up this little event to give them pride in what they were doing and to showcase what they were doing and help me see a whole different side of my child's ability. When we talk about parents and engagement, it's really easy just to say, oh, everybody's busy. That's what makes it hard for families to be engaged. And I think that it's not that simple. It's much more complex than that. There is, I really think, a fair amount of privilege that we assume when we think that parents are just busy and not participating. For a lot of families, especially in schools that are economically disadvantaged, it's not just about being busy. It's about how are they surviving. If they're single parent homes, are they working multiple jobs? Um, are, Are they working the night shift? Do they have reliable transportation to get to events? It's, it's much bigger than that. There's language barriers, there's financial barriers. So it's every little thing that you can do to offer opportunities in a setting that's accessible, in a way that's accessible, that's how we're gonna drive engagement. What are some examples that you can think of making the ways and the settings where schools engage parents more accessible? Um, I mean, I think it, it varies from location to location. I see a lot of Um, And there's a lot of research and evidence that shows that full-service schools, where you have a variety of services available for families that they wouldn't otherwise have access to, whether it's mental health, food banks, primary care, any kind of social service access that they may not be able to get to easily, I think that can help families. One, because it gets them there. So if you're there doing something, then you have the opportunity to also engage with your student's education, your child's education. I think in an area like we're in transportation and not having necessarily access to reliable public transportation. Families don't have cars, things like that. Um, Also language barriers. So anything that you can do to help with transportation. So for example, if there's a district event that's at this building, our families aren't going to be able to get there. Bus transportation, public transportation in this community is really bad. So unless they have a reliable ride, which is unlikely, they're probably not going to be able to attend. And if they did, it's not guaranteed that there's an interpreter ready to help them access that if English isn't their first language. So I think that really looking at the cultural and socioeconomic barriers to participation is really what we need to be looking forward to in the future. I think one, a really great way to engage not just parents, but the whole community, and I think to some extent we we need to redefine family engagement and make sure that we're focusing on extended family too, because it's not always just parents, it's grandparents, it's aunts and uncles, so it's extended. But I think that one way that 
has been really great that this district has done, um, and it was new this year, is Dr. Rocco has really reached out to the community to engage them in the five-year strategic planning process for the district. I mean, this is a huge district. We have 23 schools, 17 elementary schools, and it's really hard for everybody to find an avenue to have a voice. So as part of the strategic planning process, there were multiple community meetings where you could give input, and then we kind of filtered down priorities and branched out into subcommittees, one of which I'm co-chairing for the District on Climate and Culture to really kind of focus on goals for the next five years to be presented to the school board. The parent engagement in Hamilton School District isn't just by happenstance. They've been very thoughtful about seeking out resources and learning new things around family engagement. As you're about to hear next from the supervisor of family engagement, there's a lot of things and a lot of moving parts that need to be considered when engaging families. And it's important to seek out resources to meet the needs of your specific population of families. I am May Furman Cannon. I work in the Hamilton Township School District. I've been here all my career. I currently serve as a curriculum supervisor in a few areas, including family engagement. Between teaching and becoming an administrator, I was also a family engagement specialist for the district. And when they tell you go do family engagement, okay, what does that look like? Like there's no university for this. But one of the first resources that I came across was Beyond the Bake Sale. One of the authors is Dr. Karen Mapp. And I had the fortune to spend, I call it a boot camp because we did so much in four days at Harvard with her and other specialists. One of the first things that we learned was to always tie it to student academic achievement. At times, I would put out flyers in English, Spanish, you name the languages. And a lot of people think, oh, we'll just put a picture there about food, that's gonna entice them. So I was doing the languages, I was doing the food, I was doing the raffles. None of that was really getting me the turnout that I wanted until I started tying it to academics and really helping the parents understand uh, how we're there to help them support learning at home as well. Specifically, one of our schools this year is putting together what's called academic parent-teacher teams, where the parent comes in with the child and the teacher teaches them uh, like a brief overview of the next math unit, and they work on it together with the teacher. And that just helps the families, the parents, feel more comfortable being able to help the child at home and in return learn something new themselves. Sarah, the parent who spoke earlier in the episode, mentioned the fact that services are so important for parents to be able to access. May talks in this next segment a little bit about how Hamilton looks to provide services for families to ensure that they're able to engage and get what they need as members of the school community. I really see it as a two-prong thing where we need to partner with our families, not only to support the students, support the learning at home, but also to share with the families resources and other community things that they might need in order for them as a family, as a parent, as a grandparent uh, to be successful as well. Sometimes we do call in different local community agencies just so that the parents are aware that number one they exist, number two what kind of services are provided for free 
which can be a challenge sometimes for a lot of families. And a lot of our families are new to Hamilton as well. And I just want them to feel not only welcomed by the town, but also know where to go for whatever it is that they need. As soon as a parent is inside our door, we take the opportunity to expose them to as many things as possible. For instance, at one of our elementary schools, we took advantage of parent-teacher conferences. And we knew parents were coming, and we had set up in the multi-purpose room, we invited different agencies to also be there. And the parents, either before or after the conference or in between, had the opportunity to visit the different tables and get information about women's health programs or any counseling services that were available and, and things of that nature. So whenever they're in our doors, we try to give them as much as possible. It's important to not only provide resources for families, but to also view families in and of themselves as resources and as assets for the district. This can be done by really thinking about the funds of knowledge that community members and family members of your students have. The goal is those partnerships that go beyond, you know, school, even from fifth grade to now middle school to then high school, just supporting the families along the way. So once you get to know the families, you start to build that relationship, but always having those positive beliefs about parents as well. Sometimes the reality is they have two jobs, different times of the day, but that doesn't mean that because they don't show up to an event that they don't care or that they're not involved. Even if they send in napkins for the classroom event for this month, that's their way of being involved and that's okay too. So holding those positive beliefs, knowing that each family comes to us with funds of knowledge, even if they're an expert cook or expert at sewing, they're an expert at something and we should embrace what they bring to us as well. I know of, of some districts, and this is something I want to bring to our district, where they have parent meetings. And some of them is just an opportunity for parents to get to know each other. I live here, you live there. An another thing that they do is share something that they're good at or they're an expert in. And right there, you start to build a bank of resources within your own classroom, within your own school, that other parents can reach out to and that as teachers, as administrators, we can reach out to them as well. When we think of climate and culture, it's easy to limit our thinking to teachers and to students. It's important to also acknowledge that students' families are a huge part of the culture of a school. When it comes to integrating families into the climate and culture of a school, it's important to remember to use multiple methods, both formal and informal, of reaching out to families and integrating them into the fabric of the school culture and climate, as you'll hear from the next guest. My name is Robin Ivanisic. I'm a climate culture specialist at Greenwood Elementary School in Hamilton, New Jersey. For the elementary level and all levels, I believe that relationship building is key to a student's success, both academically and social emotionally. So it's imperative that we have parent buy-in from the moment the students come in through kindergarten because once we're able to positively work with them in a relationship, 
even when the student is struggling, they will still find their successes. And they'll also feel comfortable sharing with us um, when there are problems, knowing that we will try our best to help them. We have worked with them to kind of survey what times best fits the needs of parents. So we're there to support them if they have something first thing in the morning, even if it's you know staff covering a class so the teacher can work with their parents. We invite all of our families during the day, which we know is hard, and we also welcome um, siblings. So our stay-at-home parents, you know, they're welcome to bring the siblings who aren't in school yet. And then we also have events right after school for those who pick up their students, in addition to the evening events for parents who are working. And sometimes we'll do multiple ones a day so we can try to reach all of our families. Another th nice thing we do with our parents is since, you know, it is a walking school, we do parent appreciation days because we want them to know that without their support, you know, we wouldn't be successful. So we give them little treat bags and we do it three times a year and in each of the treat bags is some information. Uh, this year we worked on giving them information on how to have a successful conference with a teacher and also more about social emotional learning at home. Last year we were having a parent academy and in which the parents were actually coming in and we had resources that they could take out almost like a lending library and then they would come back the next session and we talk about the resource that they use. So in finding this one of the parents had kind of gave her concerns about her son and some of his anger issues. So we started talking and I said, you know, let me speak with my guidance counselor about resources. And so, you know, she, she left. She left with some resources. When she came back the next time, between myself and the guidance counselor, we gave her a whole bunch of numbers of outreach um, to utilize. And within the next couple of months, I saw her out in the playground after school, and she had come to me to say that she started therapy with her son, and she had seen such a difference. And so just those little, you know, conversations based on these relationships with the parents, you know, really improved um, her son's relationship with his family. When it comes to equity, it's important for school districts to ensure that the voices of all family members are being heard. This is especially important for families who speak another language and who can't engage with school districts in English. When this is the case, Districts need to ensure that they're meeting the federal requirements to translate and provide interpretation services. This can be tricky in districts that are diverse and that have large populations of students who speak other languages, but it is essential to ensuring that families are truly engaged in the educational process of their children. We'll hear now from both Robin and May about what their district has done to ensure that everyone has access so I think right now, thinking about equity in our building, I, it goes with our English language learners. So that is something that we are focusing on. We had actually talked with a parent um, from Haiti who had said that a lot of the parents in her community were reluctant to come because they, they didn't understand what was happening, but they wanted to be a part of something. After having that conversation, you know, we've been much more mindful now with translating you know, not just for Spanish, but for Haitian Creole as well. But what we plan to do for next year is to actually create like a family liaison. 
So we have the one parent, you know, who does speak English well and understands and attends many things. So she's going to help us to outreach to our new families that come in who don't, you know, maybe know English that well or might not even be from the area and give phone numbers and emails so that they can partner and they can help bring them to events or, you know, notify them and let them know what's going on. We were very big on, okay, we have the initiative, we implement it, but we also have to institutionalize it and revisit it and support it. One of the things that we've done in the last four or five years, we've implemented a translator interpreter program where we hire our own teachers plus community members to come and help us, whether it be at back to school nights or parent-teacher conferences, family nights, uh, child study team meetings. Of course, there is non-disclosure that, that they do agree to. And it's just been working out nicely because during the day we can't use our staff because they're teaching. So that's when the community members come in and help each other. And then if it's before school or after school hours, then the teachers step in. But as soon as we hire, whether it's a teacher or a, or a translator to do that extra compensation, we provide them with a standard training first, just to expose them to the different types of translation or interpretation situations that they will encounter. Also to give them a little information about the uniqueness of each school. A lot of the community members don't realize that we have 23 schools. And a lot of our high school teachers are not very familiar with the elementary schools. So we do that to kind of get them that knowledge. Then we also move into explaining how the different languages across the United States, New Jersey, and then Hamilton um, come into play. And then there's routine housekeeping things like procedures. But in addition to the standard training, every June, we also do our refresher training. And that's when we bring everyone together that represents all the different languages. And it's, it's great to see, it's like the United Nations almost. We've been doing a lot of work. We still have a lot of work to do, but we feel proud of the direction that we're moving in. I'd like to thank Hamilton School District for allowing me to come in and talk with many of the people there about the amazing things happening. They're really a microcosm of the great work around the state. I'd also like to invite everyone to join us to talk about this important topic at our third Tuesday Twitter chat, which will be on June 18th. It'll take place at 8.30 p.m., and you can follow the chat by using the hashtag NJEdPartners. We are so excited to talk about this important topic, and we hope that you'll join us. We look forward to continuing to connect and engage with you about educating the 1.4 million students around the state and hope to talk to you on the hashtag NJEdPartners third Tuesday Twitter chat. You can subscribe to the podcast channel for DOE Digest through your iPhone and the Apple Podcast app or wherever else you listen to podcasts so that you can get new episodes when they are released. Also, please leave us a review through the Apple Podcast app on your iPhone. It is the best way to help new listeners find us. Neither the New Jersey Department of Education nor its officers, employees, or agents specifically endorse, recommend, or favor views expressed by those interviewed. Discussion of resources are not endorsements. Thanks so much for listening.